Welcome to Everything Went Black podcast. A few weeks have gone by since I was able to get to one of these. I've been involved in some soul-crushingly boring work for Audible.com. The uh, most of my time has been spent editing an audiobook about the periodic table of elements, which is like some of the most boring, crushingly boring work that I think I've ever done. And there's been some other stuff going on, like the bed bug infestation of my apartment. Um, that's been a lot of fun. So finally, I'm back on track, and uh, this time around we got Fred Pizarro returning. And uh, he's accompanied by uh, Samantha Marble, a notable photographer here in New York City who uh, shoots photographs of a lot of bands, and you've seen her work on Brooklyn Vegan, and also um, other publications. So here we go. We're going to be talking about New York stories, the Black Flag reunion, South by Southwest, and uh, street violence. So um, actually, before we talk about South by Southwest, there have been some changes here with um, regarding Brooklyn Vegan and uh, Invisible Oranges. Yeah. Okay, so, so can we talk a little bit about that? Because... Uh, the Visible Oranges was used to be run by Cosmo Lee. Yeah. And then you were primarily focused on working on Brooklyn Vegan. So yeah. Now you're the editor-in-chief, right, of yep. Invisible? That's that's correct. Okay. So, um, it's it's a, the entire story I could probably tell you in a good 40 minutes, but I'll go with the short, <laughs> condensed version. Um you know, Cosmo and I have been talking for years about me doing something um, with the site on on a, on a higher level. With the visible oranges? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so basically, uh, it came time for the the then editor, Aaron Lobivier, I think is how you pronounce his name, um, for him to step down. So... Um, I approached Cosmo and I told Cosmo I wanted to do it, and he says, "Well, Fred, I think you're a good man for the job. I, I just, um, I just don't really want to do this anymore. I don't want anything to do with the site anymore." He was just burned out, like over the years. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah a lot of time. He says it's just not for him. Okay. And he says, "Fred, it's in your blood. I can smell it." And so he's like you should just take us over. And I said, okay, well, that sounds great. I was like, well, how do we do this? Um, and I want to make this point clear. Um, uh, so basically he was like, well, I think the best way to do this would be you just buy out the site. Is that, now, when he said you, does he mean you, Fred Pissarro, as an individual or Brooklyn Vegan? Well, Brooklyn Vegan. Okay. Yeah, me... Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't have that kind. Oh yeah, I just want to. Yeah, 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 yeah no, no. Try to set the record straight. No, no, here, I know. So, say, I know. Yeah. so uh, basically, <laughs> so I, I want to make this p- point clear because everyone thinks, you know, Brooklyn Vegan's a big side, yada yada yada. It's, this is some kind of fucking corporate takeover. Like <laughs> we're talking, like you know, like millions of dollars, billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Vivinda Universal in Nabisco or something, you know, like that's just not the case, you know. It was so basically, 
what it boiled down to was uh, we took over, we bought out the site from him, so that way his hands are washed clean. Right. It has nothing to do with any of it anymore. We pay the bills. And one of the reasons why I was attracted to IO in the first place is because of the amazing um, editorial content on that site. It's really, um, in general, the kind of think pieces and like editorial pieces on the internet is really few and far between. And a lot of people do quick news stuff. And, I, you know, I'm just as guilty as the next guy doing quick news stuff because, you know, that's what, um, that's what people look for on the internet because internet, by and large, is just about as much information as you can get in the shortest amount of time. Well, can you expand on what you mean by when you refer to your editorial, like, think pieces? Like, yeah. what is that to you? Like, what is that? Well, I mean, like, for instance, um, you know, we just did, we did a piece on what, what are favorite bands, what makes up a favorite band, Okay. you know? Um, and not just, and by that, it's not just like, oh, like, let's, let's just say I'm Bolt Thrower fan number one, you know? I would say, well, what I like about Bolt Thrower and what makes them my favorite band, which they're not, but I really do like them. Um, what I like about them is, you know, like, the vocals are really good. They're there's definitely like a feeling of dread throughout all the, the entire, all those records, you know, um, that's what we're talking about. Getting to the bottom of like the individual pieces that make a favorite band, you know, right. as opposed to like, uh, I don't know, like a list instead of having a list of some, some line item, you want to have more emotional content and more of like exactly. an individualistic sort of take on something. As opposed exactly. To, yeah, exactly. So like someone could say, Someone could make the argument that, um, oh, I like Metallica, early Metallica, because it was thrashy and a little proggy, and there was, like, hints of melody underneath there and all that. But then you could take that exact same blueprint and, like, apply it to Anthrax. Yeah, or, or Testament. Or, or Testament, <laughs> yeah. you know? But why is Metallica a favorite? Yeah. You know? So that's the kind of thing that doesn't, that used to exist in, in a magazine and still does exist to some extent, even though magazines in general are disappearing. Um, so that's kind of the thing that attracted me the most, kind of the, the really drilling down deep and getting to the heart of things um, that I think is fascinating. And that, that was definitely characteristic of Visible Orange. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we took it over, the idea was that um, we wanted to make because this, the, the, those pieces are great. Um, they take time to put together. But I always wanted to spin off the Brooklyn vegan metal stuff into its own entity. Um, so we decided that we would turn it into news and editorial site. You know? So that way we have all of our features kind of really deep features and then just like short news blasts about shit that we care about right instead of like you know god bless blabbermouth because they they do i don't even know how they can turn out shit like that you know like the amount of stuff that they put out in a day like, yeah just like the volume of news yeah, items yeah, it's like a yeah. hundred news stores 150 yeah. 
ridiculous. But at the end of the day, I think any one person who goes to that site maybe cares about 10 of them. Yeah, they have a pretty wide spectrum of stuff they, they, care, they, um, they deal with. You know, there'll be a lot of like sort of like major metal acts on there as well as like underground stuff. And, like, oh, yeah. Stuff yeah. about Rob Halford and, you know, corn, mm-hmm. like all that stuff is all pretty much covered on that. Yeah. 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 Then yeah. And then they'll have, uh, you know, a Kelly Joe piece or something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, literally all over the place. So what I wanted to do is just distill that into what I thought was, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say what I thought, what I feel like I owe as a team because it is a group effort. Like I work with a bunch of people and ask them their opinions on things all the time. So, um, but yeah, so that was our goal for the site and that continues to be our goal. Now the metal presence on Brooklyn Vegan, does that still exist or is it? Yes, it, does, it? it still does exist. Um, and it's going to stay, but um, because there's definitely a crossover element, there's definitely like people who are into indie who like some metal stuff. Right. Um, like, for instance, I ran a piece on this Japanese band that I love called Slang. You know, it's, it's this Japanese hardcore band. They're awesome. Um, I ran that piece only on Invisible Oranges because I feel like it didn't really quite make as much sense for Brooklyn Vegan. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, I kind of see, and uh, uh, you know, the same thing with, like, for instance, I, I also did a piece on Kailessa. Right. Where we only ran it on Brooklyn Vegan. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're almost aiming more towards, like, an indie sort of transition away from, like, the metal, like, crust kind of thing they used to yeah. be known for. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, that's... You know, that's the kind of thing, I feel like there's a core, there's going to be a core amount of stuff that goes both ways, but there's also going to be a lot of stuff that's only going to swing one way or the other. Right, right. You know? yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways. So, I mean, you could go to Brooklyn Vegan and get a wide swath of what's, what's going on in what we think is cool and metal. Um, but if you want to drill down deeper and drill way down deeper, you know, as far as like editorial content and like, uh, you know, uh, more, more interviews, all that kind of shit, then you probably want to check out IO. Uh, so, yeah, I think Brooklyn Vegan probably has a higher profile or used to at least than, than, uh, Invisible Oranges for a while. It definitely did. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, have you seen more, more, more hits, more people come to the site now because Absolutely. of the change of the guard? Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because, uh, when I started, I started on January 3rd and it was literally, I had to hit the ground running. Um, and one of the big stories we ran, as you know, Mike, is on the entire black flag controversy. Oh yeah. That was probably the first story. First story we ran on IO that really made a dent and you know, the Wall Street Journal linked to it. Oh really? Yeah. Damn. Forbes did like all like all these things. I I, I would never in a million years think that Forbes would give a 
fuck about Black Flag? Well, hold on now. You know, I mean, <laughs> for, like, all right, Black Flag was a band from 1977 to 1986, I believe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, there are people out there who are in their 40s who probably grew up listening to Black Flag. So, sure, sure. You know, not everyone stayed, you know, in the punk rock hardcore world. People have gone on to have regular lives and families and probably work at Forbes and like Wall Street Journal at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, there is an interest probably in people, you know, you know, places you wouldn't necessarily think immediately would be have an interest in that. But it somehow resonates with somebody on some level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, we're not I, talking about like Converge or something. Like no, no, I, I, I agree. You're right. I'm just saying, when you, th uh, if I sat here and asked you before this story came out, Forbes said to you, Forbes is going to cover Black Flag, you would say, I, I'm sure you'd say, Fred, you're full of shit. Am I right? I've been thinking, think well, so? before, before, say like the end of last year, I would think you're full of shit. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. my point. That's right. my point. Right. You know? But this reunion, though, has actually, people are coming out of the woodwork with opinions about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, no, I know. Sides it's of the because fence, you know? it's, it's, they're, they're, and, you know, your piece kind of hit it on the head. It, the piece you did for uh, Invisible Oranges, which if, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't checked out, probably should check it out. Um, kind of hit it on the head about like the ethos of Black Flag and what they meant and what that means to what that means in relation to this reunion and you know how weird it is and how it makes no sense and yada yada yada. But uh, I don't know, and I'm sure an element of that has to do with the Forbes magazine thing too. What I would do you mean? imagine? You know, it's like a punk band. Well, Forbes magazine is a, is a money magazine. Yeah, totally. You know? Right. And this is a punk band that was kind of, I mean, not specifically, but somewhat anti, like, capitalistic. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here real quick. Okay. Just because in some ways, Black Flag was a very, uh, you know, sort of, organized I'm not going to say like you know corporate but they they had like a, a program you know what I'm saying unlike other bands like say Husker Du who would just go on the road and they would do their thing Black Flag had this like program SST Records was like the template for like later organizational units within independent music yeah I know I know where you're going with this and I agree <laughs> with you I agree with you yeah, yeah they created their own their own ecosystem exactly their own their whole their whole yeah trip you know, it's definitely, yeah. a, they created their own little world there with that. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And so, but I think at the same time, well, what we're talking about is this reunion goes against that ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, my, my thing is just, I, I really was, was hoping, my, my whole stance on this thing was like when all these reunions of all these bands, yeah, you know, um, you know, all the New York hardcore bands getting together and, you know, doing their thing and like playing songs they wrote 30 years ago. I was like, not into it. Yeah. My We've one, discussed this before. Yeah, my, my one thing about like Black Flag is, like, oh, well, Black Flag at least hasn't happened. They haven't come out of the woodwork and tried to resurrect the carcass of the band and drag it out on tour and make some money so they can, you know, whatever, capitalize on it. And now it just seems like late in the game, they're pulling it together. They're going on the road. They're making another record. And it, it to me, it was just a huge letdown. I think that 
I was holding on to that one thing of like, well, at least Black Flag isn't doing this thing and humiliating themselves and trying to like, you know, because <laughs> I do feel that. I feel that. All right, look at Tom Warrior, Tom G. Warrior. Yeah. He, you know, Celtic Frost dissolved. Yeah. And he started a brand new band, Trypticon. Yeah. He could have called that Celtic Frost, and he could have. Honestly, it sounds almost exactly like the later, like the yeah. last Celtic Frost record. Exactly, monotheist, right? Yeah, yeah. But philosophically, he wanted to make a departure from that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I completely support that. Now, if Greg Ginn and whatever, whoever else he wants to pull together from any of the Black Flag lineups, wanted to play together again, I would be one thousand percent behind that. However. If you want to call that unit Black Flag and play songs from the Black Flag catalog yeah. as Black Flag, I'm 100% against that. Yeah. You know, and I don't care, whatever. Everyone has their opinion. This is my opinion. And that's everyone's welcome to their opinion. I'm not going to argue with anyone. I'm not going to say I'm right. I'm not going to say I'm wrong. That's just my opinion. You know, I mean, I'll have, you know, there'll be consequences for people saying that. You know, I'll think of them differently if they support this thing. <laughs> but, yeah, right. but, you know, I, that's just my my opinion, man. You know, and I think that, you know, Black Flag coming out now is completely irrelevant. I mean, as a man, Greg Ginn is a totally different person than when he was in 1985 yeah, or 1984. Absolutely. So being able to relate on, emo- on an emotional level to the material in 2013 after, you know, however 30-something years of not being involved in that particular thing. It makes the whole thing irrelevant to me, you know? Well, I'm going to say something. Uh, I, I don't want this to come across diplomatic. Okay. Because I'm of two minds here, okay? Of, of, my, uh, of two, you know, two thoughts here. Of mind and of heart, right? Okay. My mind, my business mind says, yeah, they, they, can, they can make money off of it. Sure, they, they will. They probably didn't make that much money before. Godspeed, whatever. My heart says, I don't give a shit about it. I don't want to see it. So, yeah, I don't definitely want to. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... I hope that doesn't sound diplomatic and douchey, but that's how I feel about it. I don't think so, man. You know, I think that, like like I said, you know, like maybe, maybe when I was like 29 or 25 or 30 or whatever, and if I was like, you know, I would be like up in arms, jumping up and down, red-faced about this whole thing. But at this point in my life, I don't care. I, like to, to, to champion any particular cause about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just stating my own personal feelings about it. Yeah, and yeah. Everyone, you're entitled. Sam, what are your ideas on this thing? Uh, I, to yeah. be honest, I don't really have no? much to contribute on. <laughs> Fred and I were talking, I was talking about this with Fred yesterday. Yeah. Um, I feel she like doesn't I have... look up to you both a lot. <laughs> and when it comes to Black Flag, I don't... Uh, between the two of you, I mean, there's nothing that I can really say that I think carries any weight. I mean, I agreed to be here just so I could see Mike's face. About, <laughs> you know, when Black Flag got brought up. That's why I agreed yeah. to be yeah. here. I mean, I think, are, are, are you guys going to, you guys going to the show? At, at, uh, you know, there's, a, there's at least one show in the area, I think, right? Warsaw? Is, yeah, Warsaw. I mean, honestly, if Rollins was playing, I mean, I'd consider going. Yeah. Well, you see now I that think you bring, he's, he's going, not. He's but not. You, you bring up that thing about Rollins because, like, a few years ago, Rollins did the um, like a Black Flag cover set with the Rollins band, mm-hmm. and he was very, very clear that it's the Rollins band covering Black Flag songs, and I thought that yeah. was very cool because 
Well, and he also did it I for did the that. right reason. Yeah, for too. West Memphis Three. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, yeah. that was like this he was is very off careful. Topic, but when they tried to do that ridiculously Cadaver reunion. Yeah. I you know. know, like you just can't. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's and like Jeff Rickley was Shed, singing so you know, Sean. Yeah. Sean's dead and gone, and yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it was meaningful and it had its place in time. Well, that, that's kind of like what I, how I feel about a lot of these reunions. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's like you have like a girlfriend or whatever and like you guys, you know, were real hot and heavy like yeah. back in 1985 or whatever, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm you're, you're it, like you're raging. Gonna, yeah. And then you try to get back together with that person and 90% of the time it doesn't really work out because you're different people. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's how I feel about like reunion shows and bands reuniting. And especially in some cases when it's an obvious money grab. You know, when the band... Is like okay, we have this like really you know, really popular one record we've made in our career. So we're gonna do this record. We're gonna get together. We're gonna like you know throw some lineup together, like twenty two year old kids, and I'm gonna front the band, and it's gonna be like you know we're gonna call it this name and yeah, you know to me that's just like pathetic in my opinion. You know well, I mean? here's you bring up an interesting point, Mike, because you and I have talked about Rorschach before. Exactly, and that's and Rorschach is a band that did that did just that. Yeah. You know? Um, they came back and, like... Yeah, but they did it well. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know. I know. But you know what I'm saying? I'm like, so happy. Like, what, what, separates, what separates you? Okay. That's a good question, because I feel like Rorschach, like, financial gain wasn't necessarily their goal for reuniting. They weren't getting rich by playing with Charleston? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not like, all right, Black Flag is never, you know, they didn't play big at, I mean, towards, yeah, they, actually they did play big, relatively large venues, but, you know, Rorschach didn't play Irving Plaza when they were on. Yeah. 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 They didn't play, like, you know, the Ritz, you know what I mean? Or maybe they did, but maybe they're supporting someone at the Ritz. I mean, they were like a DIY hardcore band. So when they reunited, they, they played DIY hardcore shows. Like, they played at Charleston, they played at the Acheron. You know, there's that one show at the Poisson Rouge they played, but yeah. that was like, you know. And I just felt like in that case, it was just like a, a fun sort of thing they did. And, you know, I'm sure money was made. You know, they were selling, one, they had one t-shirt design for sale, yeah. you know. But it was like, to me, and it sounds hypocritical, I definitely give Rorschach a pass because uh, no one really got into them when they were around. Like, they were a very unsung band yeah. that went on to influence a whole mm-hmm. genre of bands, really, yeah. you know? I mean, directly or indirectly. I mean, directly in the way that Dead Guy, you know, had former members of I saw Dead Guy and Rorschach at the first Unitarian Church with, like, five people wow. on a random Tuesday night in Philly, like... That's awesome. Yeah, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to no get at. was there. You know, they played, like, in front of five people. Incredible. You know, and now it's, like, because of the success of other bands that may, may have been influenced by them, I feel like people care about that band. And why not give them a shot of, like, reaching some people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I only went to one of those shows, and it, it was that one. the one at the, I went to the one at the Acheron, and, and it was really interesting to me because, you know, I went down to Maryland Death Fest, and I made sure I got back because they had a late show. And I went down, and it felt just like 1989 or 1990. There was, like, 20 people yeah, there. Yeah, I was there. It was... uh. Chris Pierce was driving them. The guy from Doc Hopper was, mm-hmm. they were driving you know, his van. <laughs> uh, Will Tarrant, Chainsaw Safety, he yeah. was doing merch for him. Will's always around. Yeah, and sure. he used to be there. He was their roadie back in the day, yeah. you know. So it was like, 
the same vibe as it was. There was like a lot of older heads there, like you know, like, like Josh was there, like all these people from you know from a long time ago. Yeah, and it was in a small venue, and it was cool, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like with them, it's di- to me, it's to me at least, it's different for a band like Rorschach because they're not, you know, it's not this big fanfare. They're not doing this yeah. sort of, you know. You know what I think it is for me is. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, because it, it, it's a really, it's really interesting because I, I don't know if I can put my finger on everything because even like, even like the swans thing, you know? Okay, go ahead. You know? Go ahead with this. Like, I, have, I have an answer. I have, I have an opinion on this one too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, swans is clearly like, I don't know, like, you know, he did, he did the angels of light thing. And that had elements. I mean, because clearly Michael Year was in, in in that record, in, in that, and he's going to be in everything, and his styles are going to be in everything. And he says that thematically, this is closer to Swans, and that's why he's calling it Swans, right? Yeah, I can dig that because the thing is, the Swans. I mean, it's straight up. It's Michael Gira. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, it's not anyone. It's. I mean, there's other yeah. people that contribute to that. Yeah. You know, there's different musicians, but since it's in band's inception, he's had. He's the band leader. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got a whole gang of different people that played on all those records yeah and like i look at swans as michael gear expressing himself in that way i look at angels of light as him expressing that side of his creative output yeah. so to me it's all just one continuum of work just like justin broderick and like you know yesu and godflesh and all that sort of stuff and he has a zillion other yeah and then like monsters. you know the curse of the yellow vampire and like yeah. you know whatever uh there's a you know gray machine or whatever yeah, there's yeah. all these other bands so, I mean, you know, it's just, those guys are singular sort of artists. I think that just work on their own and they have different faces, different facets of what they do and they just call it different things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think Youth of Today is a band like that. I think Youth of Today is a bunch of dudes who had their heyday back mm-hmm. in the late 80s mm-hmm. and now they want to pay their cell phone bills or, you yeah. know, keep the lights on in their apartments. So they're just doing these reunions so they can capitalize on it, you know? And I hate to, I, I hate to think of Black Flag that way. You know? So what do you think of Infest? I don't care, dude. It's like they had their time, you know? It's like... I never saw Infest. You do your I'm, thing. I'm for that. Yeah, you do your thing. You have your time. It comes to an end, and you move on to something else. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, I can't even imagine. It's like if I was going to resurrect my high school band, and then, you know, we'd, we'd have a reunion. You know? Yeah. Who cares? I'm a different person, man. Yeah. You know? uh, no, I, can't. I, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. I mean, then there's like the nerdy fanboy who's like, "Fuck, I never saw Infest." You know? you, yeah. You're not though, but you're not seeing. I, I, no, them. I get it. I know. I, I agree with you. You're still not seeing. You're seeing the guys that were in that band reuniting to do that band. You're not really seeing the band. I agree with you. You know what? I I know I <laughs> I know I agree with you. I, I'll I'll be honest with you. I I went uh, Artie from St. Vitus. He had his birthday party, and he had a a, a yes cover man. <laughs> And could have been yes. Yeah. You know? And they were amazing. And I had a great time. You know? Yeah. Well, it wasn't yes, but I didn't give a shit. You know? So Right. But you acknowledge that you weren't seeing yes. Yeah. And that's all I'm trying. That's the point I'm trying to make. You know? Yes. It's like, you're going to see, you know, Judge or whatever. Or maybe you aren't. But people are going to go to that show to see Judge play. Yeah. Right? Now, this guy made a vow never to play hardcore music ever again in his life. Sounds like Greg. Yeah. Exactly. 
Now suddenly they came up, someone came up with the right number or the right circumstance, or maybe they have like incriminating photographs or whatever. <laughs> I mean, this is all alleged, of course. Like I had to have nothing. I don't know any of these people. Uh-huh. Ooh, pardon me. I don't know him. I don't know the gentleman who are putting the show on. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want anything to do with that scene. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about that scene. Mm-hmm. I have a couple records, but I've never been affiliated with any of that sort of stuff ever. But just knowing the story, it seems very hypocritical to me. You know what I mean? And it seems like even if you are going to do go to that show, you're still not seeing that band. You're seeing like a dude who's been out of the game for how 20 something years at this point. And if, I don't know, is he going to like, you know, start training for it? Is he going to run? Is he going to get in shape? Is his, what's his voice sound like? Has he sang? Yeah. Has he done anything remotely like that in 20 something years? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of insulting to people as a performer to go up there and not be prepared. So you do know? you think what separates Rorschach is the fact that those, those guys have all been playing? Yes. And also they sounded exactly the same mm-hmm. as they did back in 1989, 1990. Yeah. And, those guys can play their fucking asses off. And it's all original members. And it's not like Charles Maggio and like crazy. two kids from like some other band and like some dude who was born when their first album came out. It was like, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? That's, yeah. the, that's the style. That's the style of all these reunions. They grab some lineup from another band, take the lead singer, slap him in, in front, put him on stage. Oh, hey, it's sheer terror, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, it's just not for me, man. You know, I just, I see through it, you know? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of people stoked on the carcass thing, too. Fuck carcass, dude. (laughs) You know, they were like, what? They put out uh, Heartwork and uh, Swan Song. Those are the last two albums they made. Yeah. And both of those records are pieces of shit. I don't like those. I don't like those records as much as the other ones. And you know what? Not for nothing, man. Carcass was always a B-level out of those original grind bands. Yeah. Their drummer was kind of weak, I thought. Yeah. You know, great songs, but like they were never on par with Napalm Death. They were always in the shadow of bands like that. Well, Napalm Death, I think, are the kings, and they will remain the kings. You know? Even the American bands from that era blew them away. You know, like Morbid Angel, mm-hmm. you know, Obituary. I always thought they were away. But Carcass was like maybe B or C level for me, you know. But I still, you know, I love their first couple of records. But are they playing anything off of Swan Song? Are they doing anything off of Heartwork, which is the records that, yeah. that's their last records? That's the, you know, maybe they were trying, you know, once again, those records came out in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Where everyone's, you know, even Napalm had a, tinges of melody in those in those records in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So maybe their, like, trip was like, you know, we got to keep the band together. We got to sort of, like, try to expand our audience, you know. We're going to throw some grunge elements in here, you know. Which is, like, the sort of death knell for any band who takes their mind, takes their eye off of the ball. You know, they take their mind off of exactly what they should be doing creatively that resonates with them. Instead, they're looking out, outward, exterior. So you didn't like the Chris, you didn't like the Kiss disco albums, is what you're saying. <laughs> I don't even like Kiss, <laughs> honestly, dude. I like the first Kiss album, that very first one, "Hotter Than Hell." Yeah, because it has that song "Parasite" on it. Yeah, that's the only song I like by Kiss. I like, like Parasite. I, when I was when I was little, I had all the fucking Kiss dolls and shit. That was like one of my Heavy metal gateways. Yeah, man. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Chris, theor- yeah, Chris, Kiss, theoretically were cool because you know I, I was way into comic books and yeah, you know, horror movies and science fiction and you know Conan the Barbarian and all that sort of stuff. But I felt like you know at the time that they were that I could have gotten into them, that 
that need was satisfied by reading Conan and Batman and all this other sort of stuff yeah. and like you know geeking out on like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. So, yeah. my my dad. Well, I, I got to say that all of my music tastes came from my dad because my dad, uh, when I was growing up, my dad would just play like I like one of my earliest musical memories is I'm like two or three years old. I remember my dad puts on a reel to reel. Wow. And, That's cool, man. Yeah. And he played, uh, what was it? Uh, Another Brick in the Wall. When nice. The little kids oh my God. Are yeah, wow. Remember the little kids? Yeah. Yep. And I remember him playing that and me singing along, being a little kid singing it. And then my mom getting like upset because I'm like <laughs> two or three years old singing, singing that. You know? Yeah. But, you know, those are like the, those are like, anyways, getting back to my point. It's like, yeah, that's. Like Kiss and Sabbath and stuff like that. But all that shit came from my dad. Yeah, it's like, I, you, know, I'll be, you know, I mean, everyone knows I love Black Sabbath. Like, they're probably one of my first ever mm. favorite bands, you know. Kiss, I was never, I, you know what it is? I think for me, it was like there were these kids that sat in the back of the bus that gave me a really hard time when I was a kid. And mm -hmm. I think they were into Kiss. And that's kind of like one of the reasons why I think I never really embraced them fully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought about getting a black eye. I thought about getting punched in the face. <laughs> you know, I thought about having my lunch money taken and my like, you know, my like, uh, you know, my, my garden of milk get knocked out of my hands and things like that. And I felt like that may have contributed to me not fully embracing Kiss the same yeah. way I embraced Black Sabbath, maybe, you know. Black Sabbath, I mean, they're way more talented than Kiss. I think could ever oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was I think you can't compare the two. <laughs> no, 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 and I'm not. I'm not. No, I understand yeah, exactly where you're coming from. Being a child and yeah. and seeing these guys come out in this makeup and me being like mm -hmm. 4 or 5 years old being like those guys are scaring shit. Out yeah. Of me. Sure. They must be awesome. Mhm. Mm you know. Yeah, you know. They are they're entertaining. You know, I think that's kind yeah, of exactly. really at the end of the day, like Kiss is entertainment. And they're marketing geniuses. You know, I mean, because I, I mean, and I'm not trying to, you know, come off like a jerk or anything, but like, does any of their songs, like, resonate, any of their songs resonate with you? Like, as far as, like, you know, do you hear a particular Kiss song and does it, like, give you an emotional reaction or is it just like, oh, that's cool, that's fun, you know? Well, it, that gets back, it's funny because that gets back to my, that whole thing we did on IO about favorite bands. And, right. You know, yeah, I think they're a good band. Okay. You know? Yeah. Good, mm -hmm. good, not favorite. Cool. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah, I can live with that. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I have plenty of bands I like, and they're not like, my favorite band. Yeah. Paul Delaney from Black Anvil was a huge Kiss fan. Yeah. You know? He loves that band. That's cool. Yeah, and I bet he grew up like I did. Like probably, like with like fucking Kiss lunchbox and like mm -hmm. you know like the dolls and watching that. There was like I think there was a cartoon oh, show or something. There's a live action movie too. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Kiss and like the Phantom of the Opera or something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Like every single way they could sell themselves, they absolutely did. Well, there's a Kiss credit card, or there was. There was, yeah. yeah there was a Chris Ke Chris a yeah a Kiss. Credit card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was making percentages off of people's debts. You know? yeah. So, South by Southwest happened recently. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you, you were down there. Yep. 
Um, I was down there. Um, this has been like maybe six year in a row. Um, Marvel didn't go down there. No, this year. You stayed home this year? Yeah. yeah. Just, I had an accident with my hand. Oh, really? What happened to your hand? I dislocated two of my fingers and sliced them open. I uh, tripped off of the curb like an idiot. Wow. Did you get to get stitches and all that? Yeah, I had to get stitches, and thank God Fred was there when it happened, because he was the one that drove me to the hospital and stayed with me in the emergency room all that night. sounds traumatic, man. But my hand couldn't heal up in time to handle shooting a festival. Like, I can, I could shoot... But, uh, you know, South by is, when you go down there as a photographer, it's 13 hour days at least. Yeah. That's before you get home. Yeah. And that's before you get home and have to edit and you, you have to wake up the next morning and do it all again for four days. So I just knew my hand wasn't, it's, it was on the mend. It still is, but, yeah. uh, it wouldn't be, I would have been in a lot of pain still. So I canceled my trip at the last minute. Because you've been going down pretty regularly the last few years, right? No, no, I went for two years in a row, and then last year I didn't go, and this year I wanted to go, but I missed out. So hopefully next year I have a couple of clients that um, that I can work between. Right. And they want to be organized for next year and ready to, you know, so it's an easier transition. Because, like, you know, even for Fred, it's just, it's crazy. The first couple of days are fun, and then yeah. by the end of it, you're sick, and yeah. I mean, party it out. <laughs> yeah, she, she and I were uh, talking about, um, recently, like, the merits of South By. Like, what does it even mean at this point? Like, there's no young bands anymore, you know? People go down there to see Prince and Justin Timberlake. Really? Yeah. Okay. You know, um, it's weird. But yeah, I mean, she's uh, Marvel has come down there a couple times with us. Yeah. And I, you know, we grind ourselves to the bone, and then uh, we come back from Austin as barely reanimated corpses. And yeah, you know, and then you're still editing after yeah. that. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to get stuff out for the next day. And... Mm -hmm. I've never been down there for the entire thing. Yeah, most recently it's only been like one day, and then we're gone the next day. It's Such only, a clusterfuck. Yeah. yeah. The, the first time that we played South by, and um, we were there for like three days, and that was kind of cool. When was that? That was the year before. That was uh, no, it was like four years ago. Maybe it was when Winter uh, Hours came out. We were on tour with uh, Pelican and Wolves in the Throne Room. Oh. Oh, I right. remember yeah. that. And we we did a bunch of shows. It was cool. And uh, oh, I think I saw you. Was it Emos? No, it was Red Seven. It was Red Seven. Yeah, the Red, was, the was that your relapse showcase? No, that was the year afterwards. Oh, alright, because that was the year yeah. that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Where, that was uh, Voivod. And yeah. We were on tour with uh, Graves of Valor during that session, during that week or two mm -hmm. period. And, um, but the one with the show at Red Seven with Pelican and Wolves and like all these other, I think Junius played that. Oh, yeah, I remember. It's oh, like, like bye-bye South, goodbye South, bye. Nope, that was yet another night. Another year. That was the that last was, That was the actual record. Radar Records, like, last Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, remember yeah. that. We went to yeah, that. Yeah, that was at Nemo's. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we were definitely... That was the last show we went to. 
That was that I think, the last South show. Bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like nine o'clock on a Sunday night yep. or something. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty. Uh, it was fun. I don't know. Like I think at that point, that show was definitely weird for us specifically because there was a lot of a lot of really like well groomed, like nice looking guys. I remember and, that. You know their girlfriends and mm-hmm. you know dudes with like scarves and stuff like that. Yeah. I, just, I, remember I do remember that. like one or two kids who were there to see us and then didn't see them again. It's kind of a weird night for us. There was a good crowd for you guys, yeah, though. I'm. There was like three people there. We played. No way. What at, at emos outside like emos? Yeah, yeah, the outside part. No, of there was probably no, there was, there was a, a good amount of people there. Well, to be fair, I you mean, were playing being the end of the festival. You were playing the outdoor <laughs> emos, which is what nine hundred cap. Yeah. So, no, I don't think it's. I think it's like it wasn't three people because there are yeah. two people in that room that were there, and I remember there's more people. Yeah. There. Anyway, it felt it felt yeah. really weird. Mm-hmm. I just like that that it's always like a weird like vibe for us whenever we're playing with these kind of bands that are like you know. And I love Junius. I love you know, but like it's a different thing. You follow mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, yeah. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to play with those guys ever again because I enjoy enjoy playing with them. But like, there's like. A kind of like a oil and water thing with our fans and their fans, sort of. It's like people that like more extreme style music, I think, are are not necessarily the same people that like bands like that. Sure. And then mm-hmm. those type of people. You should be touring are, with Mogwai, not not Tunes. Exactly. What you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we never toured together, but we would do these shows, and it but never yeah, yeah. really worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I love them. I think they're great. You know, I mean, we played with them in Europe too, and it was cool. You know? Yeah. But um. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, dudes, like, I, they're fans mainly, I just don't don't like, I guess, like, <laughs> kids who are, like, that kind of, like, you know, like, music is, like, this background music for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, like, the feeling I get, and that's not really, I want someone who's there just to, like, feel it, you know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Maybe they do feel it, I don't know. On the same they, token, I, I have to say that whenever I do a South By show, I like to do every single band different than last. Yeah. So there's that too. That's cool. Like that. Um, but yeah, I do feel like, what's that label? Like Mylene Sheath or yeah, something? Yeah, that's, that's uh, um, who's on that label? Who's it's that? like Caspian. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Gis from whatever. And, you know, I feel like they're all like in this certain wheelhouse of styles. Yeah. You know? Yep. Definitely, it's like post rock or whatever. Yeah, post. it's like like this, like this uh, little a, a dash of ISIS with a whole lot of Mogwai. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like the you know the music I like, I can, I like you know I like Caspian. I love. I think Junius are great. I think Junius. I think Junius should be the biggest band in the world. I think that you know teenagers, teenage girls should be getting fingered while that music is on the backseat of somebody's <laughs> I don't think, like, Junius is, like, the shit, in my opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. However, for Tombs to tour with a band like that, not because we don't love them as people and their music, but it doesn't really make sense on a fan level for, like, mm-hmm. us to go out there and, like, you know, bum out, like, a room full of people or whatever and then just, like, you know, have them play or whatever and it's just, like, yeah, I've been on that sort of trip before with other bands. Like the, the last ISIS tour we did was like great, you know. Mm-hmm. But in certain cities, such as Olympia, Washington, there's definitely a in Seattle for that matter, there's definitely like, all right, you know, the fucking Slayer cover band, 
you know, they're, they should be done soon so we can go come up here and watch the band we paid money to go see, you know. Right. And that was kind of like, you know, it was, you know, I love, you know, ISIS tours have always been great for us. Mm-hmm. When, they were, when that was happening, that was awesome. But, like, you know, I think, like, that type of fan is not necessarily receptive to, like, what we do. And, you know, that's kind of like, I'd rather avoid those situations. I'd rather do things that make more sense, you know. I can see, like, the, like, Oceanic or Panopticon era fans like fitting in with current tunes. If you could do like a time travel thing, yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree with you for the most part. Yeah, yeah. it's like a lot of dudes with headbands like texting. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm trying to say that's exactly what the crowd was like. That's pretty good. It's like, that's pretty dudes. Good. Dudes texting with a headband. <laughs> I, you know what? I want I want to take a second to interject something because I feel really douchey. When I go to shows, I do a lot of Instagramming. Yeah, I because, do too, man. Yeah, it's because I feel like, you know, I'm I'm at the show. I, I you know I I want to put up on Invisible Oranges that I'm I'm at this cool show. You should see this band. This band rules. But then sometimes I feel like, oh my god, I'm that fucking asshole. That just sits there in the front and it's like taking pictures and like yeah, but taking there's a know? difference between taking pictures and and like texting somebody during a band set, mm-hmm. you know. And that's always been like a big, like as soon as texting happened, as soon as that became a thing that people did, mm-hmm. and I, I would see people doing that during shows. I'm like, well, why do you bother coming to the show if you want to just go hang out with your friend? Mm-hmm. You know, people do that in movie theaters. I've seen it in theaters, and it's just like, can you like? unplug from this like hive network mm-hmm. over consciousness that you're connected to for a few seconds and experience life in a real way mm-hmm. you know and that's that's my i mean that's like the specific criticism i have of people at shows yeah sort of connects to my overall criticism of people's consciousness in this world yeah as being like this like matrix of points on a network system where now it's like you're not you're not really living anymore. Yeah, you know. So uh, I agree. It, you know I mean, yeah. <laughs> plus, I mean, Fred, it's also your job too. Yeah, dude. You know, like yeah, that's one Doesn't thing. Matter. You this aren't is the thing. I, I it you is know, my job. You're a and promoter, and you're also a writer. You also have a website. I mean, and yeah. these bands. It doesn't make it. It doesn't. I, I I agree. I have to do it. That's why I do do it. Do I want to do it? You're not obnoxious really. with it, though. But I'm I'm conscious of it. Yeah, and that's good. This is like you got to cut yourself that's some cool. slack, brother. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was talking about this very thing earlier today. That you know what, Fred, you specifically have been a re- have played a really big part in making Brooklyn a place, making Brooklyn what it is today in the sort of heavy metal, yeah, absolutely. metal hardcore punk world. I mean. I, I say that with all sincerity. I'm not trying to, like, you know, oh, yeah, man, we're on my podcast. I want you to like me, you know, and all this other stuff. Like, I think I we're to... at the level where, you yeah. know. I, I... I mean, I honestly believe that because we got we got to turn the clock back a little bit because shows happened primarily in Manhattan a long time ago, okay? Then there was North Six, mm-hmm. and now that was, like, a venue. You mm-hmm. know, there was a lot of neurosis played there. Yeah. I saw, you know. I saw the Locust there. Yeah, you know, they had yeah. the basement mm-hmm. of, of North Six. I snuck into that Lucas show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then there was like a plethora of like sort of uh, Bushwick loft space shows like Johnson Street and uh, 
there's a bunch of places during during that era, but nothing was really really happening. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But now you have Saint Vitus. You know, you have the Acheron. You have um, also you were one of the first people to probably I think you were in Rich Hall maybe mm-hmm. to bring sh- like heavy metal or metal hardcore type shows to uh, Union Pool. Mm-hmm. You know? And it sort of created this like network, this kind of um, you know options for people. And now, in my opinion, I feel like Brooklyn has become more of like the epicenter of like metal, heavier music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much going to Manhattan because now CBS is gone, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's a, it's a memory for most people. You yeah. know, maybe people yeah. conceivably have never even seen shows at CBS at this point. So I think that's really cool. You know. Because, you know, not like I like every single band that you, you know, do shows for, but yeah. I think that it's cool that that actually came together out here. Sure. Yeah. And we have so many options now. I yeah. mean, I've spent nights running from St. Vitus to the Akron and vice versa to catch different sets of bands that I wanted to see. Yeah, totally. On a Saturday night. I mean, we're really lucky that way. I'm, yeah. I'm a big supporter of the Akron. We've never played yeah. there, but um, our practice space is right next to it now. Mm-hmm. So. So I've been going in there quite a bit because, like, you know, yeah. rehearsing there. It's like, oh, let me check out what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, every everyone. I ever... love it because it reminds me of like, you know, I grew up near going to shows in Philadelphia. I mean, it reminds me of Stalag. And, yeah, definitely has a vibe. You know, like J.C. Dobbs and you know, just yeah, it has that vibe. Yeah, I love it. But you know, I think that's um, like you, you know, you, Rich Hall was was involved in a lot of stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's really cool. Now, you know, Brooklyn's definitely a destination for people, you know, on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of tourists come here because it's easier to play in Brooklyn. You don't have to deal with getting your van towed or, like, some massive, like, you know, $150 ticket for parking in the wrong yeah. spot. Yeah. You know, and it's, like, an easier place to play. And most of the fans are already out here. Yeah, and so are a lot of the bands. So if you're a touring band and you need something, mm-hmm. you know... Bands like whole, you know, whoever yeah, is around the blend of hand. Around, yeah. yeah, I think uh, at the risk of sounding like offending any Manhattan people, what I'm going to say is, I feel like a man, like someone who lives in Manhattan versus someone who lives in Brooklyn, I feel like the people who live in Brooklyn are a little bit more open-minded to different shit too. Mm-hmm. You know, so they might be more um, more apt to just, oh, what the hell, let's go to this show. You know, it's down the street. You yeah. Um, and maybe that's a function of like, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think maybe just stepping out of the kind of whirlwind that is Manhattan. Um, maybe that's a function of that and having just a wider worldview. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I, I kind of get that feeling a little bit. Yeah. You I know? mean, yeah, Manhattan in general, like I don't even really know that many the people I do know that live there have been living there so like for a long time yeah. that they can yeah. afford to live there. You know, yeah, exactly. It's cost prohibitive for most people to live there unless you're some high rolling dude mm-hmm. or you want to live in a studio apartment with like three people. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, for me personally, this doesn't interest me per se. You know? But uh, yeah, I just think the lack of venues in, in Manhattan yeah. sort of like created that situation because you know the only place there now is C- is on series is uh, ABC. ABC No Rio yeah. mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're entering a period of uh, renovation soon oh really you know, yeah the uh, they're redoing the building so mm-hmm. 
now they're going to be sort of doing this like ABC No Rio and Exile thing where they, I believe some of the shows are going to be happening at the Akron. Like they're going to awesome. be booking shows under the ABC No Rio like concept, mm-hmm. but the shows are actually going to be happening off site until their, their new facility is uh, built and, you know, renovated and everything. So, um, That's good. like where, where, where have you lived, Marvel, besides here? Greenpoint? I mean, I've lived in a six block radius around the same bodega for the past 13 years. Oh, really? Yeah. In Greenpoint. And, and, uh, like on the edge of Bushwick. Oh yeah. Bushwick. Bushwick. And that's what I love is that, you know, Grand Street is, is the dividing line between Williamsburg and Bushwick, but Mm -hmm. you move out here and realtors tell you that's considered East Williamsburg. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I've lived on like kind of, uh, on both sides of Grand Street for a really long time. I lived out there for a while. I lived on Montrose for, for a few years. Yeah. Couple, uh, two different occasions, actually. Yeah. Where else have you lived, Mike? In the city, in New York? Or, yeah, in New York. Uh, well, I was, mo- mostly I lived in Greenpoint. Mm-hmm. And I lived out in Montrose Ave, you know, Bushwick area for a while. Yeah. And I lived, I lived in Park Slope for a year, and then I lived in uh, Fort Greene. Fort Greene's nice. Yeah, yeah, but that, my van so got broken into though. like seven or eight times. Yeah, there, so I wasn't wasn't into that. Where'd you live? Yeah, yeah. Green, Green, um, Clinton Avenue, between Green and uh, one of those air, one of the gates, somewhere yeah. like that. Yeah, I lived. Yeah, there. I used to live out there. Yeah, yeah, I lived yeah. in Fort Green forever. Yeah. Um, Claremont and Myrtle. Yeah, and uh, yeah, pretty much Fort Green, Williamsburg, so wherever. So. It was nice out there, but it was kind of, um... It's very sleepy. Yeah, definitely. There's not mm-hmm. much going on. Well, there, there actually there are things that go on out there. just things that I don't necessarily have an interest in, yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, the van break-ins. Yeah, I had a friend of mine lived out there a long time ago. I mean, probably like 2003. And a person right across the street from his house got shot and killed in a drive-by. Like, yeah. and was just like an innocent bystander. Yeah. No you know, it's such a beautiful neighborhood, <laughs> but yeah, the crime was. Well, yeah. Then, I mean, yeah, I kind of feel like things have changed now. Honestly, oh yeah. But, but it's still things can happen to you in that area, you know. Yeah, I mean they can happen anywhere. I was, I was mugged during daylight on North Seventh, like just a few years ago, like got pistol whipped with a gun. Like, really? Wow. North yeah, 7th yeah. And what? North 7th between uh, Havemeyer and Roebling. Oh, shit. Now, yeah. for anyone who doesn't live here in New York City or Brooklyn or whatever. North I mean, 7th. it can happen, but it, it, that's like the safest. You don't, I mean, like, I feel so, like, I used it's to walk home at too. 3 in the morning from, you know, like the Bedford area back to my apartment mm-hmm. by myself and, like, think nothing of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was... I mean, crazy shit can happen at any time, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I think one important distinction to make in general is, like, walking around and... And I'm a nice and person, night. and I don't have a trust fund. Yeah, like, they totally nice love the person. wrong You're person. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. You know, someone, like, someone's holding you up, you're like, wait, nice person. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any money. I had just gotten laid off, too. Yeah. So I really had no money. <laughs> I think that, I think one thing that's really, and I mean about well, as far as New York and how long I've lived here, and I've lived here 
listeners at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing where I always feel safe walking around at night. Yeah. You know, like, when I walk around at night in, like, in, when I was, you know, in D.C. or, um, or... Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore. Oh, my Baltimore God. Baltimore is, like, one big back alley. Oh, yeah. Man, God. Yeah. Baltimore, like, I don't know. Um, like, even Atlanta. Like, you know, it's just... You you just feel like this. there's a sense of dread in your Mm-hmm. But in New York, it's a little bit. There's always people out. There's always like old people out and kids, even yeah. at weird hours and shit. You know, it's funny because I feel like when when I'm in New York, I feel like there are the least amount of people out at like seven eight a.m. where it might be craziest mm-hmm. in like in D.C. at that time. You know. Yeah, it depends on. Yeah, actually, it's pretty much across the board. That, I'm always up early, man. I'm out doing doing various things at those hours. So yeah, it is kind of sleepy and quiet. And the quiet sometimes is what's like gets me, man. Like when mm-hmm. you're out, like like in um like that Bushwick area, like Johnson Street in that area, mm-hmm. that seems like you can get jacked because it's yeah. quiet and there's just like this creepy vibe and there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I yeah. first moved here, I was at the Morgan. I, I was going out, I was at the Morgan stop, and I had, even my ex-boyfriend lived out there, and he knew that it was, like, a little sketchy. Yeah, yeah Morgan Avenue. Yeah, because yeah, it hadn't been, it's not like Bushwick now, where yeah. things are a little bit more built up, but uh, he waited, like, by the turnstiles, and, you know, uh, waited till my train came, mm-hmm. and he saw this sketchy-looking guy, but the guy went on the other side of the tracks, and I heard my train coming, so I ran down onto the platform while I guess whoever the sketchy guy was had a lookout hiding behind one of the trash cans. And that guy, they snuck up on me and threw me on the tracks. They threw me on the tracks? Yeah, yeah. So, wow. I mean, now I completely forget my point. Just like, yeah. Well, no, but talking about Bushwick. Yeah, no, that no, area. You can't just leave I mean, my like, feeling sketchy. <laughs> oh, man. And it was crazy because I jumped... You know, I was laying on the tracks, and you hear the click on the tracks when you know the train's coming, and you hear that little click. So I freaked out, and I don't know where I got the strength, but I got myself back up onto the platform, and I kicked off my shoes, because I was wearing heels, I was going out to meet up with girlfriends, and, uh, and I just ran, and I didn't expect, like, the lady at the ticket booth to, like, help me out or anything. I just went running straight out of the, out of the subway station hid in a pile of trash, found a two-by-four, and just stayed there. Because I didn't know the area then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this fucking, this white kid comes walking past with his headphones on, and I jump out of the trash with a two-by-four, and I'm like, I'm like, I need you to call the cops. And he wouldn't help me. And, you know, some guy that, like, he was wouldn't front, help you. He wouldn't help me. He wouldn't have nothing to do with me. And it was, like, you know, one of the neighborhood guys who, like, must have grown up there came walking down the street. And he was like, are you all right? Here, I'll call the cops and help me out. But, I mean, like, Jeez. it was just, so I, I mean, I'm still freaked out yeah, a little bit. I would like, be too. when you're on Johnson Avenue or, like, even when I walk over the Akron at night, yeah. you know, because you have to, not where all the practice spaces are, but the street before that. Oh, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mesrol. Yeah. It's a little bit desolate. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
So yeah. you have to be careful, but actually, uh, speaking of that area, like my first, you know, they, before the Akron opened like years ago, there was, um, was it a Azra had a practice space out there and, uh, Josh, my friend, Josh and I went out there just, I was there for like 30 minutes, dude, parked the van, went into the space. We had to grab something. We got back into the van. When I came outside, my fucking passenger side of the van was smashed. Wow. Yeah. Oh dude. my God. And like, I was like, oh, this is, how do you like this? You know, <laughs> it was like 30 minutes. And I went into the, into the van and just like change was taken. That was it. There's a couple of like some change, you know, in the, yeah. in the compartment there. Mm-hmm. So when, what, what were you thinking? Like when you were like facing potential death, like what went through your head? I was just, Do you even remember? I mean, I was in shock. I just know I was in shock. You know, the guy, I had a, you know, a pocketbook and he put one hand on the pocketbook and the other one on my back. And, you know, so he could break this strap and just throw me onto the tracks. And I was like, I had $12. Like I would have given him my, I would have given yeah. it to him. Like it didn't, I just couldn't believe. I was like, was all that necessary? I mean, I was just, yeah. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I just knew that I needed to like run somewhere with cover and then maybe possibly get a weapon. (laughs) So, I mean, those are my two only bad New York stories. I have many. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple. Most have to do just more like an emotional, bad turmoil New York story. I've never really been mugged in New York. So thankfully. Yeah. I should get mugged tonight. Yeah. I have Maisel turn someone blue. I found an Army Navy store in Midtown Manhattan. I told the guy it was the after the last time I got mugged when I got pistol whipped. Damn. I uh So what did the guy get any money off of you? Like, yeah, he got, like, he, he got like he got like uh fifty bucks off. So of you came how did that happen though? He came out, he approached you and he said what did I didn't happen? see it, you know, I was uh, on the phone with a friend trying to help her find an apartment and these kids just snuck up on me and they grabbed they grabbed my arms and when I the fucked up thing is at first I have a couple of guy friends live around there and I thought it was one of my friends playing a joke on me Wow! so they were holding me back and they're like give me your money and I was like knock it off I'm like who is this and I went to go like turn to see who it was and then that's when he hit me I was like wow. oh this isn't a joke so I just, they just wanted cash. You got to pay attention, man. You got to really pay yeah, attention. Yeah, I don't talk, I don't talk on the phone when yeah. I'm on the street anymore. That's for Hell sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, but I was next to a school. It was maybe oh, seven o'clock and it was during the summer. So it was still light out. Wow. You know, like I was two blocks maybe from like the Bedford train. I just didn't think that, mm. like if I were going to get mugged, like I would think it would have been anywhere but there. So wow. now I don't fuck around. Yeah. So, what, 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 so this mace, like, if I mace someone, it will turn them blue. So, like, hopefully if, you know, cops come and we I, you have to go oh, pick someone out, they're fucking blue. As somebody that yeah. you maced recently. Cause they'll have a blue yeah, because that's shoot. also the worst feeling, too, is when the cops get involved. You jump in the car and they, you know, they're like, does this look like them? Does this look like them? And they think it's every black kid that's, like, out on the street, mm-hmm. which is awful. And that's the worst feeling is to see these people get out of a car and grip up some kid. And I'm like, I didn't see the per- I told you I didn't see the person. Wow. So now... Like, let that kid go. You can say it's the guy who's blue. The blue guy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's like a, a 
Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's blue. Actually, he's not black. He's, he's blue. Yeah. He's not black. He's not white. Yep. He's not Latino. He's blue. <laughs> wow. That's an identifier. That's actually an, ex- an excellent idea, though, really. If you think about it. Yeah. You know? Well, I didn't even know that stuff existed. Yeah. You can just, get it at your local Army Navy store. Why have mace? Why not, why not just little baby Krylon? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like that's actually people. not a bad idea. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sure that's pretty That's a tough. good idea. Have you, uh, you ever been mugged? No. no. Yeah. And I, I hate to sound sexist, but I think, like, the men are not as much of a target. I feel like it, it, it definitely is more of an occurrence for women, you know, of my experience. Like, I know a lot of women who've been held up. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like men... Not as many men. I don't know. Of course, I say that, but uh, one of my friends just a couple days ago was attacked, and he was he went to go buy a case of beer and then go home, and then, I mean, they say in New York that whenever you see a pack of like high school kids hanging out, probably should stay yeah. away from them. I think kids bit. are probably the worst mm-hmm. in my opinion because mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, I, I personally really I dislike young people, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I try, I, I feel like, you know, in general, like young people are probably going to start some trouble easily. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so he went to go get a case of beer and there's some kids just like, you know, being kids, being irritating and like busting jokes or whatever. And so like, like. I guess I guess they were talking back and forth, and then it was like a whole whatever thing. We're getting out of here. One of the kids comes up and breaks a bottle over his face. And he spent he had to get surgeries at Woodhull for like twelve hours. And all this nonsense. So, wow. Yeah. Did he take any money from, or was just like a, a violent act? Just no a violent way. act. I mean, I was talking to my friend about it, and he said that like. And this is this is a, a thing that about New York that I don't understand, and I've never actually been I've I've never been like this because this has happened to me a bunch too. It's like, you know, he was laying on the ground bleeding out, and there's like twelve people in a circle standing. Yeah, and no one's doing anything. anything. No one's doing anything. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just like yeah. Over the summer, I was just on Roebling, um, or not Roebling. Havermeyer, which is a pretty decent sized street, you know, for the area where I live, which is kind of like around, around, uh, Grand Street. Um, and there was this guy, he's probably 70 years old. And, uh, in New York, there's a lot of like, there are trees in the sidewalk that are kind of, um, they have like bricks that are, you know, kind of built around. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the bricks had come loose, and so he was. I was walking a little slow. I think I don't. I don't remember why. And he was in a hurry, so he walked around me, and I guess one of the bricks was up, and he tripped and right on the face, oh, busted wow. his face right Whoa. open. I mean, this guy's like seven years old, and so I'm like, oh my god, are you okay? And like, I was like hanging out with him, and just all these people just hanging out. Yeah, no yeah. looking. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. And it was just like, are you, I mean, are, are you not human, you know? Yeah. 
But at the same time, you also hear all these stories about these other people doing things. And like, I, don't, I don't know. It's a weird phenomenon that happens here. I've definitely been caught in that kind of situation, too. You know? Yeah, helping someone? Yeah. 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 And just watching people stand around. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, I mean, I walked past a situation once in Manhattan where there was a guy uh, having a heart attack or something. Oh, wow. And I was, like, I worked, I used to work for a really brutal company. I mean, they put me under a lot Monsanto. of Monsanto? Huh? Monsanto? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But I was in a hurry to get back to the office. I was running a contract uh, back to them. They were under, like, uh, t- time pressure. And this guy had a stroke on the street or a heart. I don't know what happened. But I'm walking past the Starbucks, and there's all these people standing around. I'm like, what's going on? And then I look down, and I see the guy's having a heart They're like, I think he's having a heart attack. So I get my phone out, and I dial 911. Mm-hmm. And I tell him what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's like... But I was like, there, there were seven people standing around. And no one was doing anything. And I, I, I was just, you know, I wouldn't have even noticed the guy had I not seen just like a, this group of people mm-hmm. standing around, you know? And I was yeah, like, yeah, well, I why didn't you call anybody? I would understand that mentality. I mean, to like, I called 911 and I went on my way. Yeah. Like, how hard was that to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've tried to help out a little bit. Like, someone, someone was dehydrated on the train one time and they, they fell over and I, Immediately, you know, I just, I didn't even think twice about yeah. it, honestly, you know, and I was just like, here, I got some water in my, you know, cause I always got my, my bag of water in it and stuff. So, yeah, I think this city definitely, you know, there's a lot of people here, but everyone's this sort of self-contained, mm-hmm. you know, unit. Yeah. And they don't really want to connect so mm-hmm. readily with other people, you know? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing of being you know, on the train, like everyone's got their headphones on and doing everything they can to like shield themselves from the, you know, river of humanity that like surrounds everyone. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I can, I can understand that where in like some other, other places, it's like people are more of a commodity, you know? Yeah. It's like, there's, there's the idea also of like, if you had, when you have, you know, I love cats, I have a cat, you know, mm-hmm. you have one cat, you know, oh. My lovely little little girl here, I love you, you know. If you had a room full of cats, come in, you would want to destroy all those cats. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens in a place like New York City, you know. There's like, that's just 10 people existing yeah. together. There's like way more people. Everywhere you turn, there's a person. There's a person mm-hmm. right behind you. There's a person to your left, you're right. There's somebody too close to you all the time. Yeah, that's yeah, I, yeah. I get that. You know, it's funny. I had a similar conversation about this, actually, because we were talking about people and relationships in the city and just, like, you know, making friends and stuff like that. And I feel like in this city, I feel like it's extremely easy to make friends and have a lot of friends, like, but not... I think it's pretty hard to have, like, meaningful friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like maybe if maybe if I lived somewhere else then I'd have other than this neighborhood right here? Yeah. Or somewhere No, I'm, I'm other than New York City I would say. Yeah. I would say like maybe you know, I, I and maybe this is just a function of being younger, but when I lived in Atlanta or I lived in DC, I had a best friend. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like here I don't really 
best friend. Like, yeah. A few really good friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then a zillion, like... Great acquaintances. Acquaintances, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I don't know, whatever. No, that's a good point, though, because, you know, the people, I think, in this city are just a little bit, a little bit more guarded, and, you know, because there's, like, once again, the, the sort of endless humanity that's here, mm-hmm. like that... It's easy to have friends, you know. It's easy to communicate with people because there's so many people. But yeah. how how deeply do I want this person in my life? You know, it's kind of yeah. like I think the vibe around here. You know? mm-hmm. Totally, so, I understand. Yeah. Um, right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. The uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just you would think. I mean, that would be the contrary. Just you know, there's so many people. You should be able to meet someone that you're can be friends with and like have like a really good friendship with. But it's funny; it's almost like it's overcrowded and it's harder to do. Yeah, yeah. You know. I think also like when you were saying about being guarded. I think that you know a lot of people that move to this to New York City are here for a specific purpose. They're trying to do something, whether it's professionally or yeah, mm-hmm. what you know artistically whatever and well i would say that for and it's uh, hard to like i don't know i mean i would say that for for people that we know because we kind of work in the yeah. creative community you know but there's a lot of people who just yeah have I mean, just lack, have jobs and yeah have yeah for the lack of a better i get term, i get like, it the, i mean this, i don't want you know for lack of a better term the people who watch sex in the city yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah I just think that uh, you're forced to be more self-centered when you live here, and which is horrible, I think. Honestly. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Yeah. It was one of the first things I noticed when I moved here, and I mean, you have to be guarded. You have to know where you're going. You have to figure out how you're going to pay your rent. You know what you have to do to make that happen, and you know, a lot of the time, I mean, I'm always like this with Fred. I, I don't, I work from home most of the time, mm-hmm. so I don't leave my house, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, he's the only person I see, and, um, you know, you're just under constant, like, uh, staying self-contained, and, yeah, yeah, I you think know, that's worrying not, that's about also, what's going on next. But that's also, like, an alien thing for humanity in general, because humans are tribal creatures, yeah. And, you know, we're not, like, uh, we're, we're wired emotionally to have relationships with people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the state that we, that, you know, the urban dweller lives in is not necessarily, like, it's a, it's sort of like a, a paradox, because mm-hmm. cities, are, cities evolve because people need a community, but then, like, the ir- irony of that situation is that because of the concentration of people, people become more singular and self-contained. Which causes anxiety and sort of neurotic yeah, yeah. people, you know. So it's like, it's a real paradox, you know, with urban existence. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because there's too many people. Because when you put too many chimps in like one cage, they just start killing each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whacking off like, you know, <laughs> yeah. too much and stuff. You know, which, yeah. I, which is kind of like what happens in, in a city like this. That's great <laughs> to know? hear. I mean, like they start killing each other and jerking off. Too I much. haven't really thought about it like yeah. that. I mean, it's it like makes a lot of sense. It's fascinating. 
I mean, I think yeah, that's why I love like that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love running home and being by myself after it's, being it's... out for more than four hours, or because I can't deal with people that long. I had to tell this Mike this story. Mike this story from last night because okay. we were just talking about weirdos jerking off and raping. Sure. So last night I went to this goth dance. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> this is, this was, is, it at the, was it the, the um, discipline or anything? It's rituals. Rituals. So it was like, um, my friend my friend put it on, so I went out to support her. But the funny thing you don't is... Have to be, when you say you went to a goth night, Fred... I'm talk, not... You don't, you don't have, have to justify talk it. You don't yeah. have to. You don't <laughs> have no, no. To I, no, no, no. I'm not justifying You should have saw him. He was wearing a fishnet shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, my, yeah, my harness... Yeah. I did, but I didn't wear my good harness. So I used that on the road. No. Um, so here's the story. So I, I get there kind of late, and uh, you know I go straight to the bar, get a drink, and I trip over something, right? And I'm like, what the hell is this? There's a carpet in the middle of the floor. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then I kind of walk a little bit more, and then it's moving. Okay? Okay. So I'm like, what is going on? And then I look at the bar, and there's a sign on the bar that says, uh, please stand on carpet, smiley face. Right? And so I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I order my drink. I'm standing on the carpet. Right? Order my drink. And... And all these people are kind of laughing and kind of looking in my direction, but they're not looking at me. They're kind of just looking in my direction. So I'm like, okay. And so, and so I was talking to someone and I was like, what the hell's going on over there? They're like, oh, that's Carpet Man. I was like, what is Carpet Man? I'm like, oh, it's this guy who has this sexual fetish or something who likes to be rolled up in a carpet and stuck in the middle of the floor so people can walk over him. Wow. So I I apparently kicked this guy in the head. How did how, was he cool with that or have a problem with that? He, he, he stayed where he was. Yeah. <laughs> but I and I was standing on him for yeah. probably a good two, three minutes. Well, you know, I don't know how, however long it takes to order a drink, pay for it and all that kind of shit. So and then of course out of morbid curiosity I went over there and stood on it again, you know. But that's his thing now, right? Yeah. Yeah, all my girlfriends were telling me that this guy would be there and they're like, I got my heels out. I can't wait to, you know, they're really looking forward to going and walking on this guy in their heels. Oh my yeah. God. The only thing I have to say to that is, um, no, we're, we're, all different. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all different, man. We're all different. Everyone's, everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone's got their bag. No, I know, but it's, it's kind of weird. It's almost like someone's sexuality thrown in your face. Now that that could be uncomfortable. Like when yeah. someone's like, you know, you you all you want to do is you want to hang out, have you a know, drink, have a drink, you want to listen to Fields of the Nephilim or whatever, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like you got some dude doing his thing and you're somehow peripherally involved unknowingly. Yes. So that's that's yeah. creepy. That's creepy. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I follow you on yeah. that one, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, if I knew that this was, like, a carpet man party, yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> that's a good point, yeah. 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 But like, I didn't look at it that way at first. I don't know. Pretty fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I guess, so, I posted on my Instagram. 
Do you, do you, do you take a picture of this guy? I, I couldn't get a picture of him. Okay. Um, because it was dark and I couldn't get focused, whatever. But I took a picture of the sign that says, please stand on carpet, smiley face. And my Instagram lit up with people. Oh, yeah, carpet man. But I guess all these people knew about it. All these people had yeah. experienced except for me. I guess I'm the last person in Brooklyn. But well, I haven't, I never heard I haven't him met him yeah, either, yeah. but I've heard stories. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. Just getting back to the weird sexuality, I just, I just thought I'd share that story. Sure, man. It's a good one. <laughs> Probably uh, some neurotic city behavior. If this guy grew up in, uh, you know, out in Kansas, maybe that wouldn't have developed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was being, I was being kind of, I was, I was a little intoxicated last night. I was hanging out with some friends and I was like, oh yeah, they wanted to walk on you too. And he was like getting all excited. I talked to him after. Oh, you did? Yeah. He looked like just a regular guy. Really? He had like a little like fucking, what do you call this thing? Fedoras? Okay. Yeah, he was, like, probably in his 50s, 60s. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Button-down shirt, jeans tucked in. He just looked like regular Joe. Mm. Fucking great. It's hilarious. There's a story that I tell from, uh, I think I might have told a story once before, but I'll tell it again, about uh, when I was in Anodyne, touring out on the West Coast and uh, driving out to Reno through Donner Pass. and uh, Like Donner Party, Donner yeah, Pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we stopped. There was actually a where it's, you know, it's from. Sa I think we were going from like Sacramento to to Reno, so it's like maybe, I think it's under two hours, so it's not too far of a drive. Mm -hmm. So we, because Joel's sister lived in Sacramento at the time, and we played in Sacramento the night before. So we were driving and we're going through Donner Pass, and there's like a sign that says the Donner Pass, um, you know, rest area. So we're like, oh, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> fucking check this place out. So yeah, right. you know, we had to go. Everyone, you know, you have to, you have to pee or whatever. So we, we pulled out. There was like, you know, no one. There. It was, you know, it was the middle of nowhere. There's like the van, like maybe one car. Okay. So Josh gets out. He runs into the bathroom, and I'm like behind him, and he immediately turns around and comes back out, and he's like, "Don't go in there." <laughs> like I gotta pee, man. You know, I gotta do this. So I went in there, and it's like a small men's room there's a, a sink there's like a urinal with like a divider and then a set of stalls and i one thing i detail i remember is one of the fluorescent lights was flickering it was like one was out and it was a bad ballast situation so it was like this dim flickering light so i go to go use the urinal and there's this really long you know paragraph written out on the divider and it says to the effect that there's a gonna, gonna I'm gonna beat this guy, not me. There's a guy that's gonna be there, and he said, "I will be here on this date between these times." And uh, you know, if you're interested in fabulous head, tap your foot or turn right and show hard. Okay. Oh my God. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's really funny, man. I'm like, it says I'm gonna be here on September. I'm just, I don't remember exactly what date. Yeah, September eighth. Today's, so we played Sacramento night before. Tonight's real. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Today's September eighth, yeah. and I'm like, "What time is it?" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, we'll be here between five and eight o'clock." And I like look at my watch, and I'm like, "It's like six fifteen. <laughs> oh and my god! Like, and like I look to my right, and there's a hole in the in the in the divider of the of the stall. 
and there's this fucking eye looking. <laughs> and I just like I broke out, man. I left, you know. And then we got into the van. That's so creepy. I got back into the I got into the van and and uh, and everyone's like, let's get out of here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not let's not leave just yet. Yeah. It's like. I want to see what happens now. I want to see if anything happens. So, yeah, this guy comes out. Regular guy. Totally normal looking dude. He comes out of the out of the men's room. He's kind of like, you know, looks around. And he goes right back in. And, like, and then we then we left. Because, you know, we didn't want to be late to the show. So, the, uh, it was fucking tripped out, man. Because, like, I'm thinking, at first, you know, you, you have your laugh. You're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, really crazy, man. This is a high, you know, that's, that's funny. You know, it's a high. There's some guys in there. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, and that's in, in, in a society that we live in today, it's like someone who's like gay, that's what that's what he has to that's what he has to deal with, is that. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, one possible thing that he can do to meet other gay people mm-hmm. and sort of get his like sexuality expressed. Thinking. You know, and it's like it was, and it kinda of bummed me out. I was thinking about it later on that night. I'm like, man, that's like, you know, kind of rough, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking like, you know, Maybe, like, in the town he lives in, he would get beat up if he tried to hook up with some guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of, it's kind of a mixed bag, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny, yeah. but also it's not funny, you know? But, yeah. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to my mom. I went to go visit. My mom flew up from Tennessee, and we were hanging out in New Jersey. I thought you were from Jersey. I am from Jersey. Oh. Uh, they just moved to Tennessee a while ago, but we all met up in New Jersey. My sister still lives there, so... You know, I had a gay uncle that's since passed away, but it took forever. I He didn't come out of the closet until basically he was forced. And um, it was really sad. Like, I remember being a little girl, and he was married with kids. And oh, he'd wow. have that's a beer or two. And the next thing I knew, he had on my grandmother's hat. And, and he was always really... He was kind of effeminate. And I didn't really know what gay was when I was maybe 11, but I had a feeling that there was something off with Uncle Byron. Right, Right. yeah. And, uh, you know, later in life, he, he had, uh, I guess, you know, an affair with a man at some point that outed him. And um, he had to, you know... He got divorced. I mean, I still talk to my aunt about this. You know, I asked her, I was like, did you have any idea that Uncle Byron was gay, his ex-wife? And she said she knew, like, the whole time. Oh, wow. But you still loved him. And they but she still loved him. They had yeah. beautiful, really smart, mm-hmm. talented kids. And, uh, and they remained friends until he passed away. But the thing that always really bothered me was that when he finally came out of the closet, my grandfather caught him out of the will. Oh, wow. Like, had nothing to do with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And, um, and he, he had cancer, but he, we found out what, when he had cancer that he was also HIV positive. Oh, wow. Okay. And he didn't do, I mean, like, I think a lot of people in the gay community, some people don't do anal, like they blow each other okay. and that's their way of making love. Mm-hmm. And that was the way my uncle did things. I found out it just always really bumped. He was a great guy. He's, he was a teacher and he taught gifted children. Yeah. Um, he had to leave his teaching job. My grandfather bastardized him, uh, you know, and uh, we found out he was HIV positive. But 
it just it pissed me off so much that he could have had he had the best life when he finally got a divorce. He was so close to his kids. He was like a father to me when I really needed one. Wow. Okay. And uh, just a great human being, and he loved life. He had boyfriends. He had like his gay community, and mm-hmm. just like you know, it seemed like it was the life that he always wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad that you know it was cut short and. That he had to hide all of that for so long. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You know, and then you think about it, it's like the thing, like that guy with the going in the stall, and like that's his way of meeting people. Like that. Yeah. You wouldn't have to do that if it was just okay. Exactly. Like, you know, or, you know, if you lived somewhere that was like a little more forgiving of that, you know, that's yeah. Of thing. Like so, you know, obviously some places are more open minded about that than others. But you know, if you're if you're growing up outside of Donner Pass or whatever. You don't really have too many options, I guess. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, it's funny. It's like this conversation's come I know. full circle. Because <laughs> we were talking about how like New York is like extreme, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And then we have this other thing where everything's repressed. repressed you know? <laughs> yep. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, dudes, thanks for, uh, you know, this fine Saturday evening. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I gotta no go problem, around. sir. Appreciate you. It's an honor to spend time with you. Yes, we appreciate you having us on. Right on. All right, guys, thank you very much. Two.